Welcome to the Pastor Mike Drop Podcast. I'm your host, Pastor Mike, and this is my grandson, Miles, who's on day three of his life uh, right now. So I am, I'm here, uh, and everybody else is there. And I'm so glad that you've all joined us, too, uh, for this episode. We've got some good ground to cover, and Miles is tuning in, so he wants to learn all about the Bible and God's Word. And uh, yeah, I just wanted to say hi and share the joy. There's a lot of joy here. So with that, Emily, why don't you introduce our guests? Hello, guests. Yes, hello. <laughs> with us today in our studio here, pastors John Annenson and Brian Brown from our Hope Elam campus. Hi, guys. Hello. hello. Thanks for being here. They're older than three days old, like my yeah. little friend. That's- yeah. It- <laughs> On the second day of Miles' life, yesterday we said, what, were you born yesterday? And he was. So, you know, can't tell that joke anymore. That's great. Very All sweet right. moments well, you're having. John and Brian are our uh, pastors out at Hope Elam, and um, that is one of Hope's many campuses around the Des Moines area. Um, and we are just so excited about what God's doing out there and so excited to have you two with us here today. If you live in the area or you're interested in being involved in uh, just a really unique and wonderful and blessed ministry, uh, wherever you live, you need to check out Hope Elam. Um, they, they, um, God is on the move uh, at Hope Elam, and, and that's uh, in large part um, to the faithfulness of these two following the, the will of God's Spirit. So thanks, guys. Thanks for being here with us today. Yeah, pleasure to be here. Yeah. And absolutely agree. God is definitely on the move. Yeah. yeah thanks for having us. All right, so we've we've got some ground to cover. We're we're reading through the whole Holy Bible in a year, and, and if you're new to the podcast, you can jump right in. Uh, our church is doing that together. We've got an Old Testament reading track, a New Testament track. Uh, you can do the whole Bible. You can just do the New Testament. You can just do the Old Testament if you want to. On this weekly podcast, what we're doing is we're trying to help you. We're trying to, you know, we have the subtitle for this theme, the whole Holy Bible in a year, which is is read it, learn it, live it. Uh, we want to help you learn it so you can live it out, not just read it. So a lot of people are reading the Bible. Maybe more people are reading the same parts of the Bible together in central Iowa than at any point in central Iowa's history. So that's kind of cool. Um, but we don't want you just to read it. We want you to learn it, and we're here to help you with that today. Uh, so we're going to zoom in on the seven chapters that stand at the end of the Gospel of Matthew that's what we've been reading this week and are reading this week, and we want to help you so that you can live it out. So let's just dive into some questions. We got some questions. Got some questions. Why don't we just jump right in? Anybody got any questions? Oh, yeah. No, should have saw that coming. <laughs> okay. The first question, <laughs> who's in and who's out with Jesus according to his parable of the wedding banquet in Matthew 22? John, start us out. Yeah, there's a lot, a lot to unpack here. This is actually one of my favorite parables that Jesus tells. It's very radical. A lot of parables that Jesus tells don't seem radical. They are. This one just right off the cuff. So I think it's important to understand there's there's sort of a now and not yet aspect to the kingdom of God. This mm-hmm. parable speaks to right now and the future. Because a lot of times we think of heaven as just the future. Mm-hmm. So there, there's definitely a uh, end times aspect to this 
parable of who's in and who's out when Jesus comes back. Mm-hmm. But there's also a now, when Jesus speaks of the kingdom, it is a very present reality. Mm-hmm. Uh, when Jesus shows up, one of the first things he says is the kingdom of God is at hand. Like, yeah. I'm here right now. So there's a now and a not yet aspect to it. So I think that's important to remember as we're reading it. Uh, I mean, to answer the question, Emily, mm-hmm. who's in? The people you don't think should be in. And who's out are the people that you think should be in. It it, it reverses. Jesus yeah. sort of flips uh, the cultural understanding of who would be in and out mm-hmm. uh, on its head. And I think the other thing that stuck out to me about this story just initially is right away we read that it's a wedding banquet. Mm-hmm. So it's maybe not a real story, parable, a story. But if you get invited to a royal wedding, that's a big deal. So yeah. weddings were a big deal in Jesus's day. They weren't like an hour and then you go to the reception yeah. <laughs> and eat cake. They were they were a week long at times, if not longer. And so if you get invited to a royal wedding, that is a big deal. And so Jesus is using this as an illustration to say, hey, not everybody that gets invited to mm-hmm. the, gets this incredible invitation is going to receive that invitation mm-hmm. as a way of understanding. Not everybody receives that free gift mm-hmm. uh, of being uh, of entering into the kingdom. But then it was go find anyone you can. Right, right. They are. there's so much more. The story goes on. From yeah. There. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm intrigued by the um, seemingly indifference that people showed um, when they received the invitation. Mm. I think it was just a kind of a snapshot of the times uh-huh. that you could have a king who made so much preparation that there was so much readiness, there was so yeah. much of a reaching to the people, and yet there was so much indifference about um, about coming to the feast. Mm-hmm. And so to me, you know, there's uh, it, it suggests that even now um, when we are so much that we could uh, have access to, to understand and to know the truth, mm-hmm. and yet there's still an indifference about receiving that truth. Yeah. And I think to me that stood out quite a bit. Yeah. yeah. There's almost a pleading, <laughs> an urgency there. From the king, which maybe gives us a glimpse into the heart of God a little bit, is Mm. do you know how amazing this invitation is? Do you know how amazing? Prepared for you, like this. Yeah, I've done all this work for you. I mean, I think about when when we got married. Anybody that hosts uh, a a reception or a big party, you you prepare all the food, you make all the preparations, and your longing is for people Mm -hmm. to come to realize how amazing that invitation is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. One of the things that. One of the things that you said, John, at the start was that this was so backwards to people, which a lot of like what Jesus was teaching people was that it was different. And one of my second grade daughter was at Hope Kids this past weekend learning about kind of the least of these types, similar concept Mm. of it being backwards. And she did this worksheet and the teachers, I picked her up and they're like, you have to see what she wrote. And because they thought it was so funny, she wrote Jesus is odd. Which I was like, oh no. <laughs> and then I realized like that's biblical. Like that's deep. Yeah, like that, that's, that's deep. good. Yeah. We're yeah. on track here. Absolutely. Absolutely. Your daughter is right, Emily. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus is odd and intentionally so. Like like John and Brian, like both of you were were pointing to. Jesus is doing some big things here. And for people to have an indifference in a response, mm. it reminds me of that old Sunday school song. I cannot come to the banquet. Don't bother me now. Maybe nobody knows. It. If you know it <laughs> somewhere on social media, I know that song. I have fields and commitments that cost a pretty sum. I cannot. Uh, anyway. You're doing a good job. Yeah. Yeah. I probably shouldn't sing, but it's <laughs> especially from so far away, but there's a, 
there's a there's a there's this movement in Matthew's gospel, right? There's a movement in all these gospels that we're going to be reading through, but it's like a symphony, it, it, and it's so well. It's it's as if it's written by God because it is. It's through the pen of the gospel writers, the pens of the gospel writers, but it is God's word. It's the Holy Spirit inspired word of God, and so there's a beautiful orchestration to the whole thing and movement and, and art uh, and creativity to it. Jesus is leading a revolution. So you start with that kind of thundering sound coming out of the brass section, maybe, you know, it's significant. It's eternal. Uh, he's, he's, you know, like you said, Emily, and like your daughter nailed, he's odd because it's, it's, he's going backwards while other people want to go forwards, but actually he's going forwards mm-hmm. and everyone else is going backwards. I've heard other Bible teachers and I get what they're saying. They're saying Jesus is turning the world upside down. And I feel like that's close, but he's really turning it right side up. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he's, right. it is upside down. We live in an upside down world and all we have to do is tune into the news or pay attention. I mean, the tragedy here in Des Moines this week, which Absolutely. John and Brian, you're right in the center of it. It's, it is an upside down world. And nothing less than a than a God who shows up in the person of Jesus Christ to say, "I'm turning it right side up." Nothing less yeah. than that will do. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so here he comes, and there are two very different reactions to it. So, as the orchestration of the symphony goes on to this movement of Jesus turning it right side up, there are people who are thrilled. There are crowds of people who used to be excluded from religious circles as you were pointing to, John, you know, and, and and they're moving in. And then, Brian, as you pointed to, then there's the indifference of the people who should know better. You know, the, the religious folks, uh, the, the Pharisees and the temple priests, and they're going the other way. So there's this conflict in, in the movement um, that crowds of people are moving to Jesus that weren't with God. You know, outsiders are becoming insiders. Insiders are becoming outwards outsiders, it's turning right side up. Things are settling out. First or last, last or first. Mm -hmm. Everything's turning Mm -hmm. and changing. And I think, you know, if I'm a reader and I'm reading through this the first time or even the 17th time, I might really trip on verse 14. Mm -hmm. Uh, For many are called, but few are chosen, Mm -hmm. Jesus says. And I think a lot of people get like, ah, how do I know? Am, Am I in? Am I out? Am I an insider? Am I an outsider? What do I have to do? And then we make it all about ourselves Instead of remembering, Jesus will say later in John's gospel, you didn't choose me, I chose you. Yeah. Um, and and you are chosen. And the, the many are called, I think, is clearly a reference to Jesus saying, the Pharisees, the temple priests, you should have known better. You were called to this. You know, you know the history and tradition of our faith, and you've left it behind. <clears throat> and so now I'm going out into the streets, and I'm inviting you were indifferent, as you said, Brian, you know, the, the temple priest. But so I'm, now I'm going to go get the people who you didn't want to include and let you know that they're included in God's kingdom. It's yeah. powerful. It's beautiful. It, it's it's strong. It yeah. is strong. Yeah, I think it's, it's there's a tendency, whether you're reading it for the first time or for the 17th, as you said, mm-hmm. to think that, OK, this is an illustration of heaven and how dare they not show up? How dare they not be ready? How, how dare they not accept the invitation? And I think the, the caution is even now um, yes. for those of us who, who know better, but yet can be so busy of the cares of the world that we don't, um, that we don't really, we show up, but we're not ready. 
Um, Or we're so busy that we don't even receive the invitation that we'll go next time. Um, So I think that there is a caution of a like right here, right now type of approach that the kingdom of God is at hand. We don't know the day or the hour. So part of that is just being ready being in a place to where as often as we can um, know that God is the one who um, is calling us, is um, seeking after not only us, but the least, the lost, as, as was said before, those who you wouldn't even think, not just those church folks who should know, but those <laughs> who yet um, the good and the bad, um, that there's, there's opportunity, there's hope. And I think that stands out for me. It reminds me uh, a lot of what I've seen over the years at Hope Elam is it seems like the people that mostly have have the most joy, have the most gratitude, are showing up early, are all in. There is a common thread. There's a surrenderedness there, but there's also a lot of those people have hit rock bottom. They're they're the people that Jesus came for. Jesus said, I didn't come for the healthy, I came for the Mm -hmm. sick. And it seems like the people that have the most joy, the most gratitude to receive the invitation are the people that have hit rock bottom and realized their need for the invitation, Mm -hmm. which is Mm -hmm. in direct opposition to what you were saying, Brian, about those that I'm fine, I'm busy, I've got my work, I've got all these other things. Um, That always sticks out to me. I, Mm -hmm. the people that receive it are the ones that know they don't deserve it Yeah, yeah. versus the one that thought they were in. Yeah. yeah. Amen. And, you know, I alluded to it earlier and I'm sure we'll be covering this in our sermons this weekend. And, and Brian and John, I know you guys have already been meeting, even though I'm out of town, I, I, I know that you've been there, you know, for, for somebody to come in and start firing shots in, in a place that's doing outreach and is trying to bring healing to this community. It just shows how upside down our world is and our own city is, our own community is, and how desperately we need this good news of the Jesus who shows up and says the kingdom of God is at hand. And everybody's invited. Right. Everybody's invited in. That doesn't mean everybody's going to come. But everybody's invited. We Come on, church. I mean, rise up wherever you are, wherever you listen to this podcast. It's not just Des Moines, Iowa. Yeah. Uh, it's it's everywhere. We, we've got work to do. We've, we've got invitations to send out. We're, we're the ones who are telling, did you know you're invited to the wedding? Mm. I mean, and, and we're not just talking about any wedding that you might want to pass on. We're okay. Like you said, right? It's the kingdom of heaven. It's a wedding banquet that's eternal. Um, but as John, you said, it's also right now. The, it breaks through now for those people who come and show up earlier and fully surrendered. Uh, we're going to take a little longer in this question, but a couple of weeks ago, one of my mentors, uh, one of the greatest, most influential professors in my life at seminary, James Nestigan, died. And he was a church history professor at Luther Seminary in St. Paul. Brilliant, um, funny, uh, just just down to earth, but so super smart. Um, he was fond of saying doing ministry to people who are affluent is very, very difficult. And so we we, we see that in all sorts of places. And I think we see that in this story. If you're getting too comfortable, be careful, you know, watch out. If you're, if you're resting on, well, I need to be rich. I need to be famous. I need to be popular. I need to be successful. I need to have a lot of stuff. And if I have that stuff, man, I got it made. I think Jesus is also taking a shot at that here too, to say, don't, and he's in, in the chapters, the follow that we'll get into, man, it's dangerous. As Dr. Nestigan taught us in seminary 
the hardest ministry sometimes is bringing the gospel to people who don't see their need for it because yeah. life is going relatively well. Um, man, we've been humbled a lot, I think, over the last few years um, with the pandemic and the news and the violence and wars and rumors of war and all these kinds of things popping up. We better get our spiritual houses in order. And I don't say that as like a, a threat. I don't think Jesus said it as a threat. He says it as a promise. You can do this. Remember, you're invited. Right. Yeah. You have a seat at the table. Um, but yeah. man, don't get so distracted by the cares of this world that you miss it. Uh, let that word produce fruit for you. Amen. Yeah. yeah. Okay, next question. Also going to be good. Uh, what's so important about love and why does Jesus highlight love as the great commandment in Matthew twenty two thirty seven through 40? Yeah, so I'll jump in and just say that um, it, it's a good segue to where we've just been discussing. Um, I think there's a numbness that comes with indifference and the ability to take another life is because you don't value your own. And so that's why you can actually pull the trigger. And wow. I think that when you have love, love overcomes hate and love, yeah. it, it transcends um, those um, evil thoughts. And I think more than anything, it's, it's not duty oriented. It's, it's a um, love is, is more of a, um, a realization of a need to be in relationship. Mm-hmm. And um, so interesting when he highlights, you know, love God, it's how we learn about what a relationship should be how we should interact with each other, how we can love someone who, um, you know, who is different than we are, who's odd. You know, we can love an, an odd God because because <laughs> he's loved us so much. He's shown us, us what love is. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, when we do that, and so we look within ourselves at who we are and whose we are, it allows us to be open in relationship to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, if we had more love, obviously, in this world, we could heal a lot of the, the pain. I think as we look at the, the text, um, you know, it was moving beyond the law and the rules and the principles. And, and it was highlighting really what was necessary to live in community. Um, and for me, um, it, it takes a person who's been numb, a person who's been hurt and it actually it's like salve. It's like a healing power that gives a person an ability to um, be transformed. Yeah. And so it's um, it's hard to completely um, understand what it means to love if you've not first been loved. Because sometimes we love the way we've been loved and we call it that. But we can have agape and it's unconditional. We understand that. We move beyond philosophy. We move beyond just an association. It is a is an overwhelming, unconditional um, love that only God can give. And once we have that, then we can give it. Yeah. I was crazy. I think you just said that love gives somebody who's hurt the ability to be, have healing and be transformed. Mm-hmm. That's what Jesus did for all of us. Yeah. But it's just this great example. Perfect example. really well put. Yeah. I've heard it said, healed people, heal people, hurt people, hurt hurt people. And so we can't give away what we don't have. And, Mm -hmm. you know, imagine all all these Old Testament laws boil down to this 
one. People think it's two, but it's really one because you can't have one without the other. Uh, you're going to love God. You're going to love your neighbor. And yeah. you, it's impossible to love your neighbor with that kind of love unless you've received that mm-hmm. first. But Brian mentioned this in a sermon a few weeks ago. When God gets your heart, why is Jesus so concerned about the heart? Like love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, mm-hmm. all your strength. When Jesus gets your heart, he gets your time. Mm-hmm. He gets your priorities. He gets your relationships. He gets your money. He gets your marriage. He gets your parenting. That's why he's going after the heart here. Because mm-hmm. when that, when he's got you, then it overflows into all those other areas mm-hmm. of your life. You have this healthy longing and desire to be obedient to somebody that you deeply love and respect. Mm-hmm. I think contextually, um, it. it I think they were trying to trap him, right? Into like, mm-hmm. which one is the greatest commandment? Mm-hmm. And he knew many of them can keep some of the duty commandments. You know, maybe they're not right. stealing. Maybe they're not, they're being honoring sure. their mother. Maybe they're doing those things. Sure. But it was their heart. Uh, it was how they really treated other people. Right. Um, was highlighting that that was the most important. Mm-hmm. Man, that is so rich. You think about what Jesus said earlier in Matthew's gospel, as it's recorded there in the Sermon on the Mount. Anybody can love their friends, but do you love your enemies is, is what Jesus is getting at. That's that's where love, everyone's like, oh, love, that's an easy commandment. I can keep that. And I think initially we kind of think, well, I, I love the people who are really nice to me. I, I love the people that I like. I, I love the people who are who see the world the way I see it. Gets trickier to keep this commandment when we take Jesus turning the world right side up, His his version of it, which is, I don't just mean love the people. Any anybody can do that. Who love the people mm-hmm. who love you? Yeah. I mean love the people who don't love you. Who now? Now we're talking about a force that is. <laughs> I get emotional thinking about this. It's the most powerful force in the universe. It has the power to change the world, mm-hmm. and and there isn't anything like it. There is there is no movement. There is no cause. There is no army. There is no government. There is no corporation that has the power of love. Yeah. And we understand that and then take it in and, and let it overwhelm us. You guys both did such a nice job of that. Emily, you too, talking about this power that it starts with God. It start, Everything starts with God. His love hits us. And then naturally it fills us up and pours out of us. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm reminded of that. I'd be, I'd, be, I'd be completely missing the point of this week. Love has also got no limit to it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I love my wife. I love my kids. Uh, I love the kids that, not kids, young adults now that they married. Um, I love our granddaughter who's two years old, uh, you know, watching her. And you think, well, okay, that's it. I'm, I'm full of love. That's as far as it can go. But God always gives you more. So now this new grandson comes into our lives. It's like, holy smokes. And you should see our two-year-old with him. She doesn't quite get it, you know, what's going on, but she kind of does and she kind of doesn't. But, you know, I'm a grandpa, so I'm going to show a picture. I'm going to try to put this. Oh, that probably won't come through. I'll describe it. It's our two-year-old just getting down on her belly and and moving over to where her little baby brother, three days old, is mm-hmm. and sharing her toys with him. Aww. I mean that that's love. She she wants him to be happy. She wants him to have this this full life. Man, that's powerful. Uh, that instead of being like, oh, you're a threat to me. Mm-hmm. You you can't take my toys. Mm-hmm. I think we learned that. You know, I think yeah. we learned the dark side of of these things as we go. But loving our enemies, that's where the commandment gets pretty, 
no pun intended here, Brian, but the yeah. bar gets set pretty yeah, high. Yeah, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a high bar for sure. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, the thing that also stands out to me about love is that um, it's it's not something that um, each individual uh, cannot receive. We have the capacity to receive the love that is given. Um, it's not like, you know, there's something that we're wired in such a way that we want it, but can't get it. Mm-hmm. No, we are, our hearts can be opened and pricked. We, we loving something. And mm-hmm. I think you said, Pastor, it's, it's a matter of loving God first and understanding the power of that love. Um, and then, and then sharing that obviously with others, but to receive not only the banquet, but just the, um, the, the forgiveness, the, the grace mm-hmm. Um, receiving um, the penitence, all that has come that God has given us to just receive it and to have that same kind of compassion towards other people. Not only do we have the ability to receive it, we have the ability to give it. And I think that's where, you know, the challenge is. How do we give that to someone who hurt us? How do we give that to a neighbor who uh, we may not like, but we know we ought to love? So, So the challenge is there. Yeah. yeah. And I think you have to go to the source for that too. Like I hear a lot of times on social media, there's these phrases that get thrown out when somebody's hurting or struggling and, and I, everybody means well, but sending positive thoughts or I'm sending good vibes or positive mm-hmm. vibes. And if people think they, they mean well with that, but I always wonder to myself, what, what is that? I, I don't, I don't know what that is, but I know what love is. And I know that in order to get through this situation, I know in order to change somebody's heart, in order to change our city or nation, it's not going to be positive vibes. It's Mike, it's what you were saying. It's the power of God's love. It's the strongest force in the universe. And that has to start from the inside out the people that have been changed. And I just, I think that's the connection, honestly, between the the great banquet, the wedding feast and Love is those people that realize the gravity and the depth of the invitation of God's love are the ones who received it because they have the most capacity Mm -hmm. to receive it. Mm -hmm. They know how much they've been forgiven, how much they've been loved versus if you're full on yourself, there's not a lot of room for God. Mm -hmm. If you're fine. Harder to recognize. Yeah. 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 It's good. Mm. Hope, Mike, we can't hear you for... This moment. Okay. There Can you, you hear go. me? Yeah. Now you're back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Scary. Um, <laughs> the the call for the church to rise up is is drifting through all these stories, uh, as you yeah. guys just pointed out. And let's put a mirror up in front of the church just for a second, because I think that's important to do once in a while. Sometimes we do that really well. Um, sometimes we don't do that very well at all. And we sound like the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. If the church doesn't counter um, the hate in, in the darkness in the rest of the world and shine and reflect the light of a God who loves us so much. He sent his son to die for us um, so that we could have new and everlasting life. If we don't reflect that light and that love by loving our enemies, loving people who sin against us, um, we're, we're going to miss the whole point of this Christianity thing. If we do it though, now here's a vision, here's a dream. Imagine the sleeping giant of the Christian church around the world, some two or 3 billion strong. What if we just, what if we just not try to become something that we can't be? What if we just claimed our identity yeah. as followers of Jesus Christ? What if we woke up? What, what, what if there was this arising? Now, the world has nothing to fear that. I, I, I hear the world sometimes say, 
John, you talked about it, you know, positive thoughts. And then, <laughs> mm-hmm. so instead of talking about God, we'll talk about the universe, you know, right. the universe yeah. was with me on this or, or whatever. What if, and, and there's a, there's a, there's a fear, I think, from the world outside of, of faith to say, ah, we can't let the church rise up. And the reason they say that is because the church has been so bad at love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If we could just, this is the greatest commandment. That's what we just read in our reading here. Jesus said, this is not the second greatest or the 15th grade. This is the greatest commandment. If two or three billion people on planet Earth would just be who we are, the world would never be the same again. It would go right side up. Mm-hmm. It would it would be a movement like we've never seen. Um, I, I, nothing less than Jesus will do. Mm-hmm. We need that healing. You, you said healing. Healed people heal people, John, and yeah. they do. Uh, we're healed yeah. by the by the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ. Let's act like it. Let's live it out. We're getting late though, so I'll I'll stop talking. We, we we got more good questions to go. Yeah. Next one is what can we learn from Jesus's teaching on his second coming in Matthew twenty four and twenty five? Mike, okay, I'll go first, and I'll be brief on this one. Just quick things. Chapter twenty four. Jesus says, "You don't know when." Yeah. Stop pretending. You know. And I would say this too, just as a stewardship of time issue, stop wasting time trying to figure out what you can't know. Mm-hmm. It, it shows actually a lack of faith when we get, get obsessed with when Jesus is coming back. And I think that's dangerous for us. So instead of getting obsessed with when he's coming back, let's do what he says, which is the next two things, be ready. And the way you get ready, get your spiritual house in order. We'll read about that later in the New Testament. But secondly, uh, here in chapter 25, Jesus tells two parables uh, to kind of talk about the kingdom of heaven coming in the future and the end of the world as we know it. The first one is called the parable of the ten bridesmaids. The second one is the parable of the three servants. The ten bridesmaids is a parable that teaches us to be ready and to keep watch, to have oil in our lamps. Give me oil in my lamp. Keep me burning, burning, burning. <laughs> two songs in one podcast that will never be done again. <laughs> Uh, then the second, the second one, so be ready, keep watch. That means we don't, Jesus could come back before the end of this podcast. I mean, we, we don't know. And if we keep answering long, long answers to short questions, <laughs> it's likely uh, that he might. But the second thing is, um, by being ready and keeping watch, it leads into the second parable, which is the parable of the three servants. The other way we get ready is we, we serve, we work, we sacrifice, we love. We do. It's not like these are independent stories. Matthew weaves it together. Just Jesus just told us, "Greatest commandment is love," and so that's what you're supposed to do. That instead of obsessing over a timeline that doesn't exist and you can't figure out anyway, love people, serve them, be the church, get your hands dirty, um, get your your heart softer and your feet harder, so that you can get out and hit the streets and be a part of this movement of of of, of a. The sleeping giant of the church, man, needs to wake up. And and when we do, and if we do, it's going to be a game changer. That's how we get ready for the kingdom to come, finally and completely. That's good. With that, we're going to go into some deeper dive questions. Um, the ne- the first of those is what st- stood out uh, or surprised you as you read the familiar stories of the betrayal, trial, death, and resurrection of Jesus in Matthew twenty six through twenty eight, John. 
But yeah, there's so much here. Uh-huh. Uh, this is this is normally where we hang out during Lent, which is coming. Yeah. Uh, so it's like a little uh, a trailer, a teaser for what's coming uh, in Lent. And obviously, uh, with the passion that the part that stuck out to me this time, obviously we we tend to focus on the death and resurrection, and rightly so. That is mm-hmm. the entire crux of the Christian faith. If we don't have the death and resurrection of Jesus, we got nothing. Um, but for some reason, this one stuck out to me is Jesus is incredible patience and grace with his disciples through this whole thing. Yeah. You mentioned uh, before we went on the Garden of yeah. Gethsemane and yeah. how it shows Jesus's humanness so and human. that in that humanness, Jesus also gives us an example of how to love those, be patient with those, give grace to those that he knew mm. Judas was going to betray yes. us mm-hmm. in, in his divinity, right? Mm-hmm. In his humanness, it still hurts to be stabbed in the back, to be betrayed. He knew Peter would deny him. He knew these guys would fall asleep when they were supposed to be praying. He knew they wouldn't get it. And not just in the the passion scenes, but his entire ministry. And so what stuck out to me was Jesus's incredible capacity to love people that would hurt him, let him down, and betray Mm -hmm. him. And then the question that popped into my head is, do I have anywhere close to that same capacity? Mm -hmm. Going back to what we were talking about before, loving your enemies— Jesus demonstrated how to love those who hurt you, persecute you, let you down in the midst of some of the most challenging and uh, stressful times of his life. Yeah. He demonstrates that. So yeah. that's a challenge for me. Right. We have to ask for help for for that one. I think, yeah. my God, you I don't have us. the capacity to, yeah. to do that. Exactly. Not just during the Passion, but all those three years, Jesus' right. capacity for patience mm-hmm. Yeah, these disciples. Yep. Yeah, because the the challenge is relatable in that, but it was his capacity is much greater than ours. Because yeah. my point in his humanness was what stood out to me was right before all of these things happened. He, my title of it is Jesus agonizes in the garden. So he goes yeah. and he says, "Lord, take this suffering away." Like he knows what's coming, and he says, "I basically like I don't want to have to go through that." But your will be done. So you can't interpret it as like Jesus didn't want to do this for you. He he was willing to do it for yes. you, but yeah. he didn't want the suffering. And yeah. I think, you know, a big challenge many, many people have is like, why would God have me suffer through this? And it's like, even Jesus is like us in that he didn't mm. want that suffering, but he wanted God's will and he knew, you know, what was going to happen because of it. And so he was yeah. willing. Yeah. My goodness, the, the Bible is so profound. Just all of these stories, um, all of the Word of God captured mm-hmm. on our behalf so that we could learn from. Mm-hmm. Um, and to, to think about everything you've just said in terms of the, the, the agony, I think about, yes, John, as you mentioned, knowing that those who you love and have shown your glory to, who've mm-hmm. seen you mm-hmm. heal the sick and made the blind to see, those who know who you are yeah. would still deny, would still not clearly understand. Right. Mm-hmm. And the feeling that that... I also think about the physical agony, like mm-hmm. like to sit with the physical passion of the agony and the pain of being crucified. Yeah. Um, And the cost for me, it's not just, oh, he was sent here to die for my sins, and so that's what he did, and he rose again. Mm -hmm. But to understand in his humanity that he suffered. He was a suffering servant. Mm -hmm. He suffered 
died and was buried, and then he rose. So sometimes just want to get to that resurrection right. and not sit with the crucifixion. But you can't get to the resurrection until you understand and sit with yes. all day Friday, all day Saturday. And then we got to Sunday. So there's a physical that suffering for me mm-hmm. that he endured. Mm-hmm. And so that, that really stands out uh, along with yeah. um, the disappointment that he had to endure as well from those who was close to him. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the resurrection doesn't mean nearly as much as you just said, Brian, without the crucifixion. Yes. I mean, it, to, to truly be able to celebrate the new and everlasting life that Christ provides and is sealed by his resurrection, got to go through the cross. Gotcha. And it, it, the cross is there to turn the world right side up. Uh, to it, the, You know, part of this question was what surprised me, because I want to I want to encourage those of you who are listening um, and and our good Bible readers, this is not your first time through the Gospel of Matthew. This is not your first time through Exodus, which we've been reading this week. Mm-hmm. But every time I read it, no matter how many times I've read the Bible, and it's a lot of times, every time I read it, something falls fresh. Something is new, and something surprises me. What surprised me this time, I suppose it's because I keep thinking so much about how Matthew's connecting the dots. It's between Old and New Covenant, Old and New Testament. Mm-hmm. It's the way... You know, and starting right away at the Passover meal, which we just read about in Exodus last week. And now we're reading uh, in Matthew this week about how Jesus celebrates that Passover meal, which is about moving from slavery to freedom of a new life, promised land. And now it's happening for the disciples whose heads have to be buzzing because they've just come in on Palm Sunday. Everything, all heaven broke loose. I mean, stuff is is turning right side up that Jesus basically threatens to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. And they're like, what, what is going on? This is just too much for them. And then Jesus goes and we got two chapters in Matthew's gospel, just seeing it in the flow where Jesus is saying, well, I'm coming back. I'm going to return. It's going to be the end of the world. You know it basically don't be afraid. You don't know when, but be ready and and get to work and and start loving and serving and, and giving and then we get into the actual passion story happening, you know, the 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 uh, Last Supper, uh, the Passover meal, the the betrayal, the the denial. the denial of Peter, the 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 movement Judge of it all. all. Yeah, and then Jesus gets on trial, and and Pilate plays his part, and then the Sanhedrin play their part. But Matthew's constantly connecting the dots. You said it, Brian. Here's the suffering servant. He, that's from Isaiah. Uh, that that comes from prophecies that are 700 years old. Matthew wants to make sure his readers see that. Jesus is it. He isn't just another prophet in the line. He's it. He's the one you've been waiting for. Let, let me connect the dots. He, he, he pulls a prophecy out of Zechariah. He, he pulls a prophecy out of, well, they're going to gamble for your clothes. Um, the temple curtain tears in two, which... We know that that's where the, and we read about this in our Exodus readings this week. It's the Ark of the Covenant. It's it's where Jesus resides in the holy, it's where God resides in the Holy of Holies. God's presence is taken away from his people in the Garden of Eden, and now he comes back because he's made this covenant with them, mm-hmm. the Old Testament covenant. And now there's this new covenant happening through Jesus. So when he dies, the curtain that oh. covers the Ark of the Covenant is torn in two. It's literally opening heaven for the world, yeah. inviting everybody yeah. to the table. Matthew's connecting the dots. That the the way he does that so powerfully, it surprised me. It, mm-hmm. I I hadn't seen it like that before. Every time we read God's word, if our hearts and minds are open, it falls fresh. Yeah. Every time. Yeah. 
Yeah. Our last question is, why do you think Matthew ends his gospel with Jesus's great commission? Yeah, so the um, the it completes the the story. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, Jesus said it was it was necessary that I go away and back mm-hmm. to my Father, so that the Holy Ghost, the Advocate, the uh, the Counselor could come and sup with you, so that we can overcome yeah. um, evil in this world. So go and let everybody know we win. <laughs> uh, we are the overcomers. Uh, so there's good news, yeah. and so this is how we overcome. So for generations, you know, it was rebellion, it was disobedience. We can overcome only with the power of the Holy Ghost. So go, go tell, go express that love that we've been talking about. Go share that with those who are lost. Uh, let the world know that there is a reality here that there is victory. Yeah. Um, and so I, I, yeah, so that's what I think is the charge to go. And it is, of course, alive and well right now. We've been uh, talking about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. One of the things that we say at the end of worship at Hope Elam has just kind of become a little fun mm-hmm. tradition that we have. We say, now yes. that you've come to worship, yeah. go and be the church. Mm-hmm. And we say that every week, and it's kind of getting into the dialogue, uh, into the language of the church a little bit. And I think what Jesus is doing here is he's setting up the identity of the church, because then we turn the page to Acts and the start of the mm-hmm. church at the end of the Gospels, and it's a continuation of this Jesus story, of these mm-hmm. Jesus followers. And I think what people forget is that the church did not start as an institution. Mm-hmm. The church did not start as, hey, sit here and consider these things. It was Preach. go and, mm. and go and be on mission. Yeah. So the church's identity mm-hmm. is a mission. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not primarily an event that you attend. Mm-hmm. It's a family that's on mission that you join. Mm-hmm. And so we we get that little tagline in people's heads because I want we want people to realize the church is gonna leave the building. Yep. And that's what Jesus is saying is mm-hmm. that if you're going to be a part of this Jesus movement, mm-hmm. it is the, the train has left the station. Yeah. Jump on board. Go. Don't, don't mm-hmm. sit around and consider Amen. these things. Uh, go mm-hmm. and be a part of the church. There's a come and see. There is that. Come yeah. and see, mm-hmm. but then there's a go. There's a go. Yeah. That's where yeah. we finish right. up. And so it's an important piece. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, you're preaching to my heart. I mean, which is why we're probably all hope pastors, because we have this passion <laughs> that it isn't just a, you know, uh, hang out for saints. It's a hospital for sinners. We mm-hmm. we got we've got a message to share, not just one to take in. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, if if you're picking that up as a theme, it's not because it's us. It's because it's Matthew's gospel. It's because it's Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's how the world gets turned right side up. We're the body of Christ now. We're we're the ones who are called to this mission. What strikes me in the Great Commission, Matthew twenty eight sixteen to twenty, is that, like you said, John and Brian both. Mm-hmm. It's the movement. Think of the words in it, go, make disciples, baptize, teach. Those are, that's not sit back and, and just, you know, philosophically think about God, mm-hmm. which is what Christianity is often kind of reduced to by, by a lot of folks. Let, let's just ponder God. It, it is that, of course, but it's so much more than that. It is a movement. It's it, John, you said it. It's an institution. There's a big study that came out, Ivy League study, half a generation ago, Long story short, the basics, the bottom line in the study was as soon as a denomination or a congregation or a ministry becomes an institution, it loses its momentum. It loses its ability to to produce fruit. It loses it. It loses its growth. Mm -hmm. Uh, It loses its health. We have to keep that air going in and out. We have to keep moving. It isn't just about let's try to make 
you know, our church as comfortable as we possibly can and have holy huddles. Turn the huddle outward. You know, look look out into the world. What does God want to do through us and through you, gentle listeners, you know, as, as you're watching this? And then finally, one last connecting of the dots. The bottom line for Matthew's gospel, uh, I'm, I'm getting goosebumps on this. He ends the way he starts. Um, Jesus, he quotes Jesus and saying, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That's the last verse in Matthew's gospel. In the first chapter of Matthew's gospel, it's the birth of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And what does Matthew say? What does he pick up? Is he, did he say the name of Jesus Emmanuel. is? Mm-hmm. Name is Emmanuel, which means God, God, with God is with us. And so now here comes this God at the very end of connecting the dots in Matthew's gospel to say, I'm with you because I'm God, Jesus is saying. I'm with you always. You'll never, you don't have to search for me in, inside a holy of a holies in a, in a sanctuary somewhere in a temple. I'm with you right now. I'm with you always. I'm, God, God is with you, listeners, wherever you are, wherever you're tuning in. God is with you. Man, what good news. Nothing less will do. Um, so let God connect those dots for you and live that way. Amen. That's good. Amen. All right. That's all we have. Well, we have. We actually landed the plane right on time. We did so well. We shoot for about 45, and there we are. Thank you, Dr. Brian Brown. Thank you, Pastor John Anninson. We are so thrilled with what God's doing at Hope Elam and excited for you. Who's preaching this Sunday? John. I am. Yeah. All right. John's up. (laughs) (laughs) Brian, thanks for preaching Uh, with me. Yeah, my pleasure. uh, Here recently on MLK Weekend and... Uh, while I'm doing this podcast uh, via video uh, today, I will be live uh, in West Des Moines, Lord willing, and if we can get a seat on a plane, um, I'll, I'll be live to preach. We've got worship night in West Des Moines, too, on yeah. Saturday at 5. Uh, wow. For those of you who are into worship nights, man, you do not want to miss this. It's it's the theme is oldies but goodies. Uh, I don't know if it's the goodies part, but it's it, it's kind of a walk down memory lane. So all, right. all your favorite, a lot of your favorite praise and worship songs. Uh, will be featured at worship night. A lot more worship, a lot less preaching. Uh, and then I will be there again Sunday morning to to preach on our, our readings for today. And we're going to go back to the to the first parable Jesus tells in Matthew 22, uh, the wedding banquet. So it's going to be a great weekend at Hope Elam, at all of Hope's campuses. Uh, sounds like John's preaching at Hope Elam. Uh, I'm sure Scott or Ashley's up in Ankeny preaching and Danny's preaching up in Ames and Andy's preaching over in Grimes, and I'm not sure who's preaching at Waukee. It might be me uh, via video, and I'll, I'll be out in West Des Moines. And I hope to see you at one of those services, or I hope you'll be able to find your way to one of those services at Hope. And if you live out of town, uh, find a church in your area. Uh, it's so good to be the church. It's so good to be a part of that. And um, I'm going to get back to my grandkids. Amen. All right. Thanks Enjoy. for tuning in. Congratulations again. Uh, yeah, we love you, everybody. God loves you more. Don't ever forget that. We'll see you again next week. Thanks for joining us today. Please make sure to like and subscribe on your favorite platform, and we'll see you next time.